The vaccine rollout here in the United States is expanding apace, as well as in other developed countries around the world, and poorer and middle-income countries are definitely struggling. And in terms of the numbers of infections and deaths, well, it's looking pretty good, but we're still not quite out of the woods. Let's talk all about it right here on the special monthly COVID-19 pandemic roundup here on The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, and welcome to The Nurse Keith Show. I'm privileged, as always, to use this platform to educate and inform you, The Nurse Keith Nation, about what's happening with the pandemic as we are turning yet another corner. I'm publishing these episodes solely related to the pandemic at the end of every month. These episodes are always free of corporate sponsorship and advertising, and this is solely about education and information as a public service. Please share far and wide if you find these episodes useful. And remember, the show notes are always useful to you, I hope, and the notes for this episode will be at nursekeith.com forward slash COVID-19-22. Remember that anything I share here on this show, it references the most up-to-date information I'm currently accessing. Things might have changed by the time we go to press, so to speak. So please know that some of the information I share might have been updated and might be a little bit not quite accurate by the time it reaches your ears. And also please note, nothing I share in the course of any Nurse Keith Coaching COVID pandemic podcast is intended for diagnosis or treatment, so consult your healthcare provider, the CDC, the WHO, your local Department of Health, or any other evidence-based resource you trust. And if you happen to hear anything I've shared that you take issue with or think is misconstrued or misleading or erroneous, email me at keith at nursekeith.com with links to some evidence to support what you're telling me, and I will post a public correction if I agree. Thanks for understanding. Stay safe and keep informed. All right. Where are we as the month of March ends here in March of 2021? Well, vaccines are here, unless you haven't noticed. We're on our way. And yes, there are definitely wrinkles. There have been wrinkles. There will be more. But Things are coming along apace, at least here in the United States where I live. We've got the Pfizer, Moderna, and J&J vaccines on tap here in the U.S. AstraZeneca has not yet been approved for emergency authorization here in the United States by the FDA due to some concerns with the data and the testing and some outcomes. However, we do have millions and millions of doses of AstraZeneca, and I'll talk about that in a moment in terms of where those doses might be going. Around the country, here in the U.S., some states are obviously doing better than others in terms of vaccine rollout. There's been a lot of frustration among the general public and some healthcare professionals and public health officials, if I may be honest. People can get very confused. I've been working the hotline, the COVID hotline here in New Mexico, and gosh, there's a lot of frustration. We've got people cutting the line, people who are young without any pre-existing conditions getting vaccinated before those who do have pre-existing conditions. And this is not just New Mexico. This is all over the country. People are lying on their profiles when they fill them out so that they can get vaccinated sooner. And then we also have the digital divide. We've got people without internet 
or smartphones who are left out in the cold when it comes to hopping on that event code or hopping on that um, website to be able to register or snag a spot when spots are few and far between. Here in New Mexico, we're doing pretty well in terms of reaching out to our elders and disabled citizens who do not have internet access or do not have smartphones. We're doing a pretty good job. But I hear in other states, especially in the Deep South, things are not quite as simple. In terms of increasing the number of adults who are eligible to receive a vaccine, Kansas, Louisiana, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, and Texas are expanding eligibility for the vaccine this coming week of March 30th, 2021. They're expanding it to everyone 18 and over, no matter their underlying conditions or not. Minnesota is following them right around the 31st of March, and Indiana and South Carolina apparently around the 1st of April. Many states are claiming they want to beat President Biden's admonition to expand to all adults over 18 by May 1st. Some states are saying they won't get there till May 1st, and I bet some will be lagging after that date. The president hasn't obviously made that mandatory, but it seems that the majority of states are wanting to beat his proposed deadline and get as many shots in as many arms as possible. And we are on our way, folks. It appears from data I see from the New York Times that about 2.5 million Americans are receiving a vaccine every day, a figure that's holding pretty steady over the last week or so. And like I said, most states are expecting to open eligibility to all adults within the next month or month and a half. So we are we're doing pretty well, except, well... Other than the issues I've already stated, vaccine hesitancy is still a major issue. Even the staff in many healthcare facilities I'm reading about are refusing vaccination. There was an article that came across my laptop at some point in the last few days about a nursing home. I can't remember what state it was in, but with all of the residents vaccinated, more than half of the staff were still refusing vaccination. And the nursing home was basically tearing their hair out, trying to figure out how to convince their staff to receive the vaccines. For those of you who are healthcare professionals and have gotten your vaccine and see it as a form of civic duty, it is pretty hard for many of us to fathom that there's that many healthcare professionals refusing vaccination. But it's a sad but true statement and something that we're going to have to continue to contend with as we grapple with this continued vaccine rollout. Meanwhile, speaking about vaccination on an international level, we're looking at issues of vaccine nationalism versus vaccine we could call communalism or interdependence. COVAX, you may have heard of them. It's a jointly organized uh, coalition put together by the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, the organization called Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, and the World Health Organization. They've shipped vaccine to 50 countries at this point, and they're promising to vaccinate 20% of the population of low and middle income countries by the end of the year. Now, 
compare that, obviously, to where we're shooting for 70 to 80% of our populations vaccinated by, gosh, by the summer of 2021. And these lower and middle income countries are looking at maybe 20% of their populations vaccinated by the end of 2021. This is concerning, even though we understand that just like they say when you get on an airplane that you should put your own oxygen mask on first and then help others. So some medical ethicists are saying that it makes sense for richer countries to take care of their own first and then to start to dispense vaccines around the world. Though there are hmm, there are differing opinions about that and there are global leaders and residents of other countries who are increasingly voicing criticism of the United States and other wealthy nations for buying up most of the world's supply of vaccine. Now, I have a hard time pronouncing his name, but Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, the Director General of the World Health Organization, he's been particularly condemning, according to the New York Times, saying that Rich countries are directly responsible for the deaths of high-risk people in low- and middle-income countries. He said, quote, Countries that are now vaccinating younger, healthy people at low risk of disease are doing so at the cost of lives of health workers, older people, and others at, in at-risk groups in other countries, unquote. As long as the pandemic rages out of control anywhere, he pointed out, Variants can emerge that pose risks to those people who've been infected and even those people who are vaccinated. So another quote from Tedros is, the inequitable distribution of vaccines is not just a moral outrage, it's also economically and epidemiologically self-defeating. And I would have to agree to a large extent that until all of us are vaccinated and safe, none of us are truly vaccinated and safe because it's a highly connected globalized world. The United States is going to be giving away all of the doses we have on hand of AstraZeneca, but here's one of the issues. Even though we haven't approved AstraZeneca, we're sitting on millions and millions of doses, but the politicization of what is called vaccine diplomacy is also cause for concern. So in the Asia-Pacific region, the Atlantic magazine points out that where we have the United States, China, Japan, India, Russia, and some other regional powers jockeying for influence in that area, the Asia-Pacific region, get this, has reported only 8% of the world's COVID-19 cases since November, but they're receiving more than half of all vaccines donated worldwide. Why is that? because of politics, because of vaccine diplomacy, and because of all of these industrialized countries, the United States included, trying to gain influence in that Pacific region. So to better understand the extent to which richer countries have dominated the prospective vaccine supply, it helps to look at the numbers. According to the Duke Global Health Innovation Center, which is tracking vaccine procurement worldwide, high- and upper-middle-income countries have collectively reserved nearly 5 billion vaccine doses. These doses are largely the product of bilateral deals between governments and vaccine manufacturers, and this is called 
advance market commitments in which governments commit to purchasing doses up front in exchange for priority access once the vaccine is approved. So the Atlantic points out the United States, for example, has entered into about six of these bilateral deals for a billion doses, more than enough to inoculate our whole population. The European Union, Britain, and Canada have entered into seven bilateral deals with the potential of securing enough doses to inoculate their populations two, four, or even six times over, respectively, between the European Union, Britain, and Canada. So even though the rich countries are taking advantage here, making sure they'll have plenty of vaccine to fall back on in case some vaccines fail, what happens is that the other countries, the poorer countries, they can't hedge their bets like this. They don't have the money to do so to make it to make payments up front. So they're left out in the cold. And this issue of vaccine equity and vaccine diplomacy is not going to get easier. And this is something I recommend you keep your finger on the pulse of throughout 2021 if this interests you, because the ethical implications are staggering in terms of who gets vaccinated when, which countries have access to those vaccines, and which countries are going to be left out in the cold for longer than others. Now, moving on to cases, we're currently at 549,000 deaths approximately here in the United States. And remember when we hit 500,000, half a million, not that long ago? Well, it really didn't take us that long to get to 550. And I know we get a little inured to the numbers, but these numbers are staggering still. And we have to remember that each of those people who died are real people with real families and real lives and real stories. And there's a lot of grief going on, of course, for the people who've been lost and those who've been left behind. Now, turning our sights to Florida, the number of confirmed cases in Florida has been steadily rising, but hospitalizations and deaths are still down, which is good. Over this past week, the state is averaging 5,000 cases a day, which is an 8% increase from its average just a couple weeks ago in mid-March. Now, B117, the variant that was first identified in Britain, is rising exponentially in Florida, and it's accounting for a greater proportion of total cases than any other state, according to numbers collected by the CDC. Florida is considered a bellwether of how we're doing here in the United States. And it has one of the most confusing and inefficient vaccination campaigns anywhere in the country. It has vaccinated about 15% of its population, well below what states like my home state of New Mexico and also the state of South Dakota have managed, which is much, much more than that. Still, immunization of older people and high-risk populations in Florida might blunt the number of deaths somewhat, but the state is announcing that it's going to be starting to offer vaccines to anyone over 18 on April 5th. But still, we've had hordes of students flying to Florida 
for spring break because the governor has said that Florida is open for business and he lifted the mask mandate way too early, in my opinion. So rowdy crowds on Miami Beach and other beaches were having to be, were having to have curfews imposed on them, but people were still flouting the rules, hanging out in large groups, indoors and outdoors without masks, and we can see what the consequences are there. Up in Michigan, they're averaging about 4,000 cases a day, up from about 1,000 on February 20th. Hospitalizations are rising very sharply, and the outlook is looking particularly bad in Port Huron in Detroit. Much of the United States is reporting low case totals, including the West and the South. California is adding about 2,600 cases a day, down from more than 40,000 a day in early January. So California has really turned things around. Now, looking at some recent data from just a few days ago on March 27th, there were 780 new coronavirus deaths and 60,000 new cases in the United States, which compared to what we were facing back in the depths of this past winter is pretty good. And at the same time, we have to see that with an average of 61,500 new cases per day, that's an increase of 12% in terms of new cases in the last few weeks. So my opinion is that too many governors are relaxing the uh, restrictions way too soon, opening up indoor dining to sometimes 75 or 100% capacity. Places are having um, unmasked gatherings, of course, where mask mandates are no longer required. And we are going to start to see some surges in different areas in the hotspots around the country. Dr. Anthony Fauci has said that the rise in infections is, he feels, a result of state leaders pulling back on those mitigation measures and these large social interactions. And he said that it's just too soon and it's it's just premature. And the variants are playing a part, but he says it's not just the variants, it's just the lifted restrictions that are causing us these particular issues. So if you're in a state where restrictions have been lifted, like Texas, for instance, or Florida, please be careful and please make sure that your loved ones and your family and your friends are careful as well, because their danger, the danger is still there, folks. We have to be careful. So in other news, New York is the first state in the United States to offer a digital pass to show a negative test or vaccination status. This does raise issues of access for people who are on the other side of the digital divide, but these types of digital passes are definitely going to become, I think, pretty standard around the world in the months and years to come. There's a new surge in Paris. Hospitals there are overwhelmed. France is one of those countries that is tightening up again in Europe because things have just been turning south in recent days. In Barcelona, they had 5,000 people come to an indoor concert where social distancing was not required, and there were no seats, but people were packed kind of uh, cheek by jowl, 
in that concert. It's sort of a weird public health experiment. I saw some photos. There were people wearing masks, and I know that folks were rapid tested as they went in, and some people were turned away who turned up positive. But man, I would not want to be in Barcelona in that crowd at this particular time. Now, there's a very interesting article in the New York Times titled, A Volunteer Army Aims to Vaccinate Black People in the Rural South. And I'm going to quote from that article. Across the Southern states, black doctors, Baptist preachers, and respected community figures are trying to combat lingering vaccine skepticism while also helping people overcome logistical hurdles that have led to a troubling disparity in vaccination rates between African Americans and whites. Though local leaders have made headway combating the hesitancy, they say the bigger obstacles are structural. Large stretches of Alabama and Mississippi without internet connectivity or reliable cell phone service, the lack of medical providers, and a medical establishment that has long overlooked the healthcare needs of African Americans. I will have a link to that article in the show notes as well. And this was an interesting bit I found in the New York Times as well, that 36 out of 50 states have given clergy vaccine priority for the risks that they face caring for their congregations and also for the example they set to their congregations and communities, which I think is really fascinating and very, very smart of the states who have done that. And finally, a survey by the American Association of Colleges for Teacher Education found that teaching programs had a 19% drop in enrollment this year at the undergrad level and an 11% decline at the graduate level. And at Teach for America, which recruits recent college grads to teach in low-income schools across the country, it received fewer applications for its fall 2021 core compared with this period last year. So just think of all those younger people thinking about what to do with their careers, and they hear about teachers feeling that they have been put on the firing line in terms of COVID-19. And you can see why they might think, well, maybe I'm going to do something where I can work from home remotely and make a whole lot more money. That definitely poses some problems for us in terms of our educational infrastructure in the years to come. And last bit of international news, Australia and New Zealand are poised to have quarantine-free travel between their two countries in a binational bubble if the numbers hold steady there. So if you want to be in a really safe place, looks like New Zealand is probably one of the safest countries in the world to hang out in. And man, maybe uh, maybe we should all consider defecting and heading down, heading down under. I would love to uh, visit New Zealand, and my fear is that hmm, I would probably never come back. Anyway, there you have it. That is the roundup for the end of March 2021. Thanks for listening to the special COVID-19 bonus episode of the Nurse Keith Show. The show notes with all those links will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word COVID-19-22. The Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting, and Mark Cappy Spiesen is our stalwart social media ringmaster. The Nurse Keith Show is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network, one of the largest and fastest growing collections of authoritative, high quality podcasts about health and healthcare anywhere. Find it on healthpodcastnetwork.com. 
Stay safe, stay informed, be the nurse and healthcare professional who does the right thing in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. 